Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into the newest edition of the Punchless MMA Podcast. It's your boy Dale Lippman in here with the Bubble Guts, talking to positive vibes himself. Trey Van Buskirk, what's going on, man? Bubble Guts, dude, absolutely. Hard kombucha is the call tonight. Yeah, uh, I am. I, you know, I, I feel like because I'm so dehydrated from the Bubble Guts, I need to go as close to water as I can. So uh, I'm I'm punching in. Uh, I'm not quite going seltzer, but your boy is going with a little Mickey Ultra tonight. Oh, are you training for a marathon? What are you doing? I am. I am training for a marathon. I uh, I don't know what's going on with my my digestive tract tonight, man. But we are we are going to forge through and get this thing knocked out. Oh, let's let's punch through, Lance Armstrong. All I'm right, gonna, I'm going to do what I can. Listen, it is the last fight card of 2020. The last fight card of the year. Here we are. Um, not the last show of the year, but the last fight card of the year. Uh, let's recap a little bit about what happened last week. But what are your thoughts, if you will? Um, give me a good 30-second soundbite as to what you thought of the UFC product in 2020. Well, Wei Zhang and Yonajin Jacek have got to be pissed. They were so close to securing what could be arguably the best fight of 2020. But Davison Figueroa... Brandon Moreno come at the last minute. I think they usurped it. No, they took. They both took round five off. Oh, I think what that makes a difference. A uh, uh, fight of the year is from bell to bell. Um, just like you grade a, a fight one round at a time. Uh, when you're, you know, looking at fight of the year, you have to do the same thing. And both men took round five off. We know that Brandon Moreno was dealing with a shoulder injury. We know that. Uh, Davison Figueredo thought he was up on the cards and he took it off. He took his foot off the gas pedal. You look at that in comparison to a 
uh, Weili Zhang, uh, Yoani on JHS fight, they were swinging as the bell went off. Yeah. Uh, you look at it with a Josh Emmett, Shane Burgos, they were swinging at the final bell. Um, there's a difference there. Uh, it, I'm not saying it wasn't one of the best fights I've ever watched in my life. It absolutely was, but it's not fight of the year. My okay. opinion. Okay. Well, speaking of Brandon Moreno's arm popping, let's go a little bit, you know, top to bottom here. Tony Ferguson outlands or outlasts uh, the craziest armbar I've ever seen. What do you think? Is this demise of Tony Ferguson? Is he going to come back? He's clearly stated on Twitter that nah, he felt flat that night, but he's ready to come back with vengeance. Or is this just the erosion of a vet that we've seen over the past, you know, couple cards? Well, it's a couple things, right? Um, I, I I go back and forth with this because our last episode, I was initially on the Charles Oliveira train. I've been saying for a while now that I think that Tony's been getting a little bit worse. Um, he's been getting hit every fight that he's been in. Um, I so I sort of expected the vulnerability to lay lie on the feet. Um, what we haven't seen is Tony dominated on the ground, uh, which is what we saw. Like positionally, he was just dominated, which wasn't something that we really, anybody really expected. I think that what people need to realize is, is that now more than ever, uh, Tony versus Khabib would have not, would not have been competitive at all. Right. Absolutely. I well, think I think, fairy tale. yeah. And I think when he said he's not competitive on the ground, I thought it was really interesting that he switches his whole coaching staff up right up to the fight. Eddie Bravo was in his corner. We didn't hear the, you know, screaming of the MNR roles. We didn't see any technical prowess on the ground whatsoever. All we saw is a guy just getting absolutely dominated bell to bell on the ground, even in standing, Tony did look flat, but you know, someone that didn't look too flat in their jujitsu, Mackenzie Dern, she looked okay. Nothing flat about Mackenzie Dern whatsoever. Um, <laughs> and yeah, she looked okay. She got her nose broken. She fought through some adversity. Verna was a what was a great test for, uh, and it was a necessary step. It was the right move to make. It was the right match, and it was a good test to see where Mackenzie's at. Uh, needs to shore up some defense, striking wise. We know she's elite on the ground. She looks like a real contender. Uh, thought maybe she might be a gimmick for a while, um, but she looks like she's getting better. So. I am. I was pleasantly surprised and pleased with Mackenzie Dern. Anxious to see what they do with their next matchup wise. Uh, title shot, I'd say, is probably two fights away. Those are those like pedestal fights that you kind of need. And it's kind of like what Kevin Holland got with Jacare. Yeah. Um, man, dude, my whole tuna sandwich analogy fell flat on my face. That was, that was oh, he, he landed some knuckle sandwiches if we're going to keep it in the lunch realm. That was a murder sandwich, is what that was. Um, yeah. Literally. Uh, karate chop sandwich, knuckle sandwich, whatever you call it. He fed it to him. Never seen a guy get not never seen it. Uh, a gentleman knock another man out while sitting on his ass. Um, literally was sitting there all two cheeks on the ground, swung, stunned him, swung again, separated him from consciousness. And then basically like it, using the same motion that Gronk spikes a football with proceeded to punch Jock Ray in the face while he's bent backwards. Just absolutely brutal. Um, brutal fight, brutal finish. Kevin Holland, I, I mean, I know it's a 37-year-old, 38-year-old Jacare Souza, but, man, he's looking like he might be more of a real deal than people are initially giving him credit for. Yeah, and, and I think the bigger issue that we've seen and what is the UFC going to do at year-end, they talked about cutting 60-plus fighters. Is Jacare going to be on the chopping block because he does yes. so much? JDS, who fought Gone. right before against Cyril Gane, 
same type of thing. Round two, knockout, absolutely buckled like we thought was going to happen. A prospect putting another scalp and putting himself on a higher pedestal, taking a name, putting it on the resume. Those two guys, gone? Yeah, I was on Instagram Live prior to the event talking to some people, asking, you know, and that question was brought up about this, the 60 fighters getting cut. Uh, my take was then it remains the same now. JDS with a loss is getting cut, and he's going to go. Uh, Jacare with a loss is probably going to get cut, and he's going to go. Um, there's quite a few people that are very much on the chopping block uh, that, you know, initially people probably thought were pretty safe. And there's other people out there like the Sam Alvies of the world, um, like the Ashley Evan Smiths of the world that most people thought were probably going to be in danger um, are coming out and saying that they just signed new deals. So not really sure of the logic that not really following the pattern of cut and keep that the UFC is employing right now, but it'd be interesting to see there's going to be some people that are showing up uh, and disappearing very, very soon. Um, before we get too far into the show, uh, we were talking about, some prime meat earlier. And I just want to go ahead and let people know that now is the time uh, to order from Stay Classy Meats. Go to Stay Classy Meats, use promo code FIST and save 10% on your entire order. Uh, a little too late to get it in time for Christmas, uh, but you can definitely get your meat in time for New Year's if you're going to, you know, uh, do an absolute New Year's bash. I don't know if we're going to do a New Year's bash here this year, Trey. What are you guys going to do? Ah, oh, man. I. I don't know. I kind of want to, you know, stick it to the man, but I also mm -hmm. need to abide by guidelines for my family. So it's going to be pretty lackluster. We'll watch the ball drop, see uh, Times Square with, you know, look like the absolute uh, apocalypse. You know, it'll be kind of cool. Are they going to do anything this year? Do you know? Oh, they have to. Anderson Cooper up there, you know, in freezing cold weather by himself. That might actually be enjoyable to watch. No, yeah, maybe so. <laughs> he looks like a freaking icicle with a pulse anyway. Um <laughs> <laughs> fucking q-tip yeah anyway they got the uh they got the firework stands out here and they just put up they just started putting them out today so i'll probably stock up on some fireworks i'm always always down for a good explosion um but speaking of explosion and all things action dude i really like that patriotic hat you got on there well, i was gonna say if you need to wear something american to you know bring in the new year just go to allegianceclothing.com and type in the code punch you're gonna get 15 percent off dale behind me you're gonna notice some palm trees right I do notice those palm trees. See those palm trees? You know who else has palm trees tatted just beautifully on their six-pack abs? That would be my boy Cubby Swanson, a.k.a. the lion. Uh, and he put that dude to sleep that night. A week away. A week away. Be, I would be remiss if we did a full recap of last week's card and I didn't give you a platform or a moment to feel a certain way. Just to I feel, feel a certain way. I feel a certain way about my boy Cubby. Listen, man, I try to tell you guys. Don't sleep on Cubby comes to do one thing and one thing only, and that separates you from consciousness. Daniel Pineda, stupid game plan. Good Lord, stupid game plan. I understand coming out and kicking the legs. Hats off to you, bro. That's a great idea. But why on earth do you not try to take Cub Swanson down? The game plan is out there. Take the man down and submit him. I know he's a jiu-jitsu black belt, but goodness gracious, if he isn't easy, easy to submit, Amongst other high-level people, obviously, I'm not tapping out Cups once, and I don't believe that you would either. But all that to say, um, my, my man, take him down and try to tap him out. Everybody does the same thing. Kick his legs, take him down, and tap him. Why you chose to stand there and disrespect him, I know that Daniel Pineda looked like a 170 or fighting a 135 yes. Massive uh Size discrepancy there, but dude, you cannot stand in front of Cub Swanson with your hands down and expect not to get separated from consciousness. What a silly game plan! So so stupid. 
It was such a dumb idea. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from Cubs um, performance, right? It was a great performance. But stupid game plan. Golly, was that dumb. That was it was bad. Um, what what was more impressive to you? Was it uh, the actual knockout that happened, or was it his post fight speech? Oh boy, the, the post fight was one of those whole "I'm not crying, you're crying" kind of situations. Wow. But I here's the thing though: is I get it, right? Like I get it. Um, you know, anytime you're away from your kids from a prolonged period of time, it takes a toll on you. And then you got to do that. The culmination of that is a fist fight with somebody in front of you know. Uh, potentially hundreds of thousands or a million plus people watching you on TV. The last thing you want to do is get separated from consciousness. Uh, but Cubs got a good life. He's got something great to come home to. And he's, he was excited. I get the, I get the emotion of it, right? I, I completely get the emotion of it. Um, hats off to him. It's a great win for him, man. I, you know, it sucks that it happened on the night that it happened because he wasn't getting a fight at the night bonus. Uh, any other night, he probably would have got a performance or a fight night bonus, but man, there was just great fight after great fight. The UFC has really done well for us this year, giving us plenty uh, to chew on as far as great content is concerned. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for Dana White and the team uh, doing what they were doing. It's it was, It's was, been a great year. It's been a great year. I have no complaints whatsoever. No, no. This, the shortest lapse in events of any other sporting event out there. Go back to Jacksonville. You know, people were poo-pooing on this through and through, calling this just animalistic. No, for them to jump in, get this thing going, and be the leading front of what sports should do, and everyone to follow suit, it shows that yes, it might be a sport that's only been around in the since 1993, but it seems it's light years ahead of everyone else in getting their shit together. Yeah, for sure, uh, definitely trend centers in that regard. So I, I appreciate everything they did, and they're again they're giving us another cherry on a already great Sunday of a year, uh, Saturday night, man. We we've got it a banger of a card. And the betting lines are juicy. Oh. As this is, well, I'm going to preface this with this, right? Is that this card, the betting lines are so incredibly close on most of these fights because they are dead even. They're dead even. Um, with a card like this, unit management is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're going, to, we're going to talk about these. You're going to see a bunch of minus 170s and a bunch of plus 150s and things in that realm. You have got to manage units correctly because this is a fight, or this is a card rather, where you could very well go six and six and completely break even, or go six and six and make bank. Um, it really just depends. You know, the likelihood, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to try my best. We're going to try our best to give you an absolutely perfect card to culminate this year. But boy, I'm telling you right now, with a fight card like we've got on Saturday night, you want to come out smelling like roses. Unit management is everything. Every fight on this card you can bet on. Um, usually we say there's ones that we're going to avoid. We're not avoiding anything here. We're going, we're leaning in to the fray. Uh, we're running face first into danger for the last card of the year. Yeah. Dale, we are 69. Point, or no, sorry, we are 66.9% year to date win loss. 66.9. 66.9. And that's a cool number. I'm cool staying there. That's an awesome number to showcase. When we started this, though, what did we say we wanted to go for the year? 67%. 67%. And we are right there. So um, we are going to we are going to eclipse the 67% mark this year. Murder is happening on this card. Let's Absolutely. go. 
Let's fucking go. All right. Let's see. First fight on the main card. Now, you're going to have to fill me in on this because we've had some movement. Um, I, it hasn't necessarily been confirmed yet, but it does look like the Bilal Muhammad fight has dropped off. Um, so if it has, or is this a 15-fight card? Dude, yes. It's psycho. Okay. So as far as the main card is concerned, I'm seeing uh, seven fights on the main card. I'm seeing uh, six. Yeah, okay. I'm seeing Thompson, Neal, Jose, Cheeto, mm -hmm. Piera, Chaos, Marais, mm -hmm. Font, Hardy, Tybura, and then Pettis, Murano. Murano. Okay. okay, so what I'm seeing, uh, as far as I'm seeing it right now, Jillian Roberts and Talia Santos has got bumped up to the main card as well. Ooh, so we'll go ahead and start with Alex Morono, plus 185 versus Anthony Pettis at minus 225. We'll go ahead and get that thing kicking off. Uh, and see how that goes, uh, and then we can also go back if if need be and circle back to the to the Bilal, um, not the Bilal, but we can circle back to anything else that we missed uh, if that ends up coming back on. So, uh, like I said, Alex Moreno plus one eighty five, Anthony Pettis minus two twenty five. Trey, this is my biggest dog take of the night. I think I'm going to take Alex Moreno here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna lead with the story um, yes. right there and say that I'm taking Alex Morono, but all that to say, Anthony Pettis, 23 and 10, Alex Morono at 18 and six, Anthony Pettis, as you know, former lightweight champion of the world on the Wheaties box, the whole nine, the showtime kick, the, everything, everybody already knows everything about Anthony Pettis. I don't need to do a lead in for him, but right. you think he's too much for Alex Morono. I, I did it. And we were aligned before, but, Interesting tidbit for this. This mm -hmm. is the last fight on Anthony Pettis's contract. So there's two ways he can go here. One, he can go balls to the wall, leverage that, get his what he's like, what, 50 and 50, get his big payday and say, hey, I did this in devastating passion. Let's reinvigorate this contract. Or to your point, has a shit performance as we've seen the decline in Anthony Pettis, goes, hangs out on a beach with his brother, Sergio Pettis, off in Bellator. Yeah, here's the thing, and I say this from a from a commentator person sitting in a computer chair standpoint. Um, I don't see a lot of heart in Anthony Pettis anymore. I see a lot of quit in him when it comes to fights. Now he's a professional fighter, and he is ruthlessly tough, uh, and has been in some absolute wars. But we have seen Anthony Pettis take take shots um, and take look look for a way out fight fights before. Um, you know, whether it be broken hands or whatever the case may be, we have seen him. Uh, take e not take the easy way out, but we've seen him kind of give up on himself. He doesn't have the confidence to bite down on the mouthpiece and just swing. Um, he tried to play the part there for a while with the with the Tony Ferguson fight where he was going to lean into the blood and the guts and the gore, and he did that for a round and a half. Then he broke his hand, and then he stopped fighting with a broken hand. So you have that, right? That's 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 one end of the spectrum, and then the other end of the spectrum is. Three weeks ago, we had Brandon Royval fight Brandon Moreno, and Royval was laying on the ground trying to put his shoulder back in place while being punched in the face so that he could keep fighting. There are men that are cut differently than others, um, and I'm not saying that Moreno has any more or less heart than Anthony Pettis, but what I am saying is that if Moreno can put a pace on Pettis and make him doubt himself and make it ugly, he has a good chance of having an extra person fighting in the cage with him in Anthony Pettis' conscious. Conscious. Uh, so I think I'm going to take a flyer on Alex Morono at plus 185. That's what I'm going to do. I'm taking I'm taking Morono. I see no point in risking my money on Anthony Pettis 
at this point in his career. I think he's off the Bellator. I'm taking Morono or nothing at all. Would you say that Pettis no longer eats his Wheaties? I don't know if he eats his Wheaties or not. I don't know if he ever ate, I don't know if he ever ate Wheaties to begin with. But nah, You're telling me he's on the box, the Wheaties box. He's never had some, a bowl of Wheaties? I'm sure he's had Wheaties before, but I'm just saying I'm, I'm sure it's not a regular everyday staple. I feel like if you're on the box, you're getting scent boxes, and you're just frosted Wheaties up to the gills. Do they even do frosted Wheaties? How else we- do you eat Wheaties? No one eats just regular Wheaties. That's cereal killer food. Cereal killer. killer. Thank you. Wow, dad joke. I love it. All right, so what are you doing here? You're taking Anthony Pettis? I'm going to take Pettis. I think he's going to just utilize this win, leverage that contract. We'll see if he stays in the UFC. There's nothing for him in the UFC. There's nothing for him. What is he going to do? He's not going to drop back down to 145 again. There's nothing for him there. He's never going to compete with the elite at 155. And 170 He's is a log jam. There's nowhere for him. He loses this fight and he's out. Even if he wins this fight, I think he's out. I, I just don't think he's he like you said he doesn't have the motivation to go for a belt. So I think if he went to Bellator, he's not going to go for a, a welterweight belt in Bellator. I think that he knows he's guaranteed based on uh, history, experience, whatever it is, to almost get main card slots on these fight night things, which is going to be more pay for him. I think from a healthy pay perspective, it's the smartest decision for him to do whatever he can to stay in the UFC. Interesting. I I don't know. I that's that's uh that'd be a weird take. Or that's a weird. It'd be, it'd be, it's a weird way to to look at it in the sense that I just don't. We haven't seen Anthony Pettis headline a card in how long since he stepped in a short notice and fought Wonder Boy. Bro, do I have to whip out my MMA mouth again? No, please don't. Gosh, okay. last time you did that, I I I started bleeding from the nose. All right, Jillian Robertson taking on Talia Santos. Jillian Robertson at nine and four. Talia Santos at sixteen and one. Easily the stiffest test uh, for Jillian Robertson here. Goodness gracious. Um, let's see here. Do we have a line for that? Um, can we put it in? Roberson's got a, there we go. Yeah, there you go. All right. Robertson minus one. Oh, it's a pick him. Perfect. Over on our rounds is at two and a half. Love this fight. Great test for Jillian Robertson. Uh, you know, admittedly the striking did not look great against Botello. Talia Santos on the other hand has looked fantastic. Both of these women were originally slated to fight other, uh, other people and now they're fighting each other. Um, so abbreviated training camps for each other, but not abbreviated training camps as a whole. Um, so, you know, nothing changed, but the date. So here we go. Talia Santos and Jillian Robertson, can the, you know, the Dean Thomas protege and Jillian Robertson get it done against Talia Santos. It's a pick and over under on rounds at two and a half years, right? What do you think? You're the well, women's MMA see, Oracle. <laughs> yeah. Well, we started to see Jillian striking evolve a little bit, but this is what we talked about. This is literally a ground specialist, if you want to call it, versus someone that's better in the striking department. Santos, though, she was getting taken down by Mara Barella. If Mara Barella is taking you down and you don't think Jillian Robertson's going to take you down, the difference in levels there is just exponentially on different polar opposites here. I think that Jillian's going to want to trade a little bit as ground specialists like to do. And I'm worried about that because if you go and look at Santos, what she did to Molly McCann, she was out striking her. She was out pointing her. She had great footwork. Jillian Robertson has got to get this thing to the ground. I hope that she doesn't uh, utilize her striking uh, overtly more than what her ground should be. Use it, set it up to the ground. If she gets to the ground, she should win this fight. I hope she goes into that with that blueprint, that mindset, I like Jillian in this fight if she abides by that game plan. 
she has to do exactly what you're talking about. Um, Talia Santos broke my heart by piecing up Meatball Molly. Mm. Um, I had Molly in that fight. I'm a big fan of Molly's grit, determination, and her clean boxing, and Talia Santos made her look amateurish. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, I think that was one of our bigger plays of the year was Molly McCann there. Yeah. Um, it was damn near pick em odds, and I think I said something to the effect of like, Bet your mortgage on it? No, not mortgage, but I was like, I very, very rarely do high unit plays, but I'm going to do one here or something like that. Um, yeah. It's a bigger loss of the year for me. Talia Santos looked amazing. Uh, Jillian Robertson has a path to victory here, and that is the submission game. Um, she should be looking at that. I'd be looking at Robertson by submission or Santos uh, by decision is what yeah. I'd be looking at. Uh, probably pretty decent markets on both. Don't necessarily know if you're going to see Jillian Robertson over the course of three rounds dominate Talia Santos. I think Santos has a better gas tank in that regard. And if she can get Jillian Robertson tired, Jillian might not be able to take her down and dominate on the ground. But positionally speaking, if Jillian Robertson can remain dominant, there's nothing stopping her from seven, eight, ten minutes of, of control time in a fight like this. But she's got to stay big. She's got to heavy. To your point about Mara Barello, Mara Barello is a big chick. She's mm -hmm. a big, she's a big girl. So, the, you know, you're being taken now by somebody that probably outweighs you by 10, 15 pounds come fight night. So Mara Barella, uh, while no longer in the UFC, it was, uh, in that regard, a very, very big woman for the division. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't want to say there's no shame in it, but that was a, you know, it's a big chick. I mean, she's going to take you down. She puts hey. her on you. She's going she to take you down. So, um, anything okay. else? You're going Jillian Robertson here? Going Jillian Robertson. Remember... Small cage. Things are ending up on the ground. They're ending up in the clinch. It's going to be hard for Santos to move around. Valid point. Valid point. All right. Marcin Tabura taking on Greg Hardy. Tabura at 20 and 6. Greg Hardy at 7 and 2. Greg Hardy minus 125 favorite against Marcin or Marcin Tabura uh, at, you know, at minus 105 over under rounds here. Trades at two and a half. Um, not a big fan. Not a big fan of Greg Hardy, as you know. But we are at the point now where I don't think we can just continue to breeze over this guy's fights. Um, we are going to have to, at some point in time, start talking about where he exists on the card. We don't have to go in-depth on it, but it does need to be spoken about because with, with, with odds like this, people will be looking to include him or exclude him from parlays or to make sizable money line favorites. Um, so this is a real – This, I mean, this is – Something we got to talk about. So, what do you think? I'll let you go first. I thought we don't talk about Greg Hardy fights. Um, the only thing I literally wrote down is I hope Tabura wins. And if there is a prop bet by murder, I'll put my fucking mortgage on it. I will I'm, do that until we are this Van, Van Buskirk household is broke as shit. I need someone to murder this guy. Fair enough. Um, I will say this I think Marcin Tabura is the level of competition that Greg Hardy is ready to face. Um, this is, this is where he's at. Tybura looked good again in his last fight against Ben Rothwell in a, in a fight that I was a little confused as far as the rep or how the judges were scoring. Cause I thought Rothwell was pretty active in that fight and almost had the fight scored for him. I really didn't understand the clean sweep towards Tabura, but the way it was, um, you know, he showed a lot. Uh, he, his cardio looked improved. His cardio. Uh, his yes. cardio looked good. Um, you know, he looked a lot more muscular. He was lighter on his feet. He looked very good. I think this is the level of competition, right? Where we talk about what is the ceiling of Greg Hardy. I think this is it. 
I think the Taboras and above, or from a rating or rankings perspective, the Taboras and below, I think this is where Greg Hardy has real problems, right? We saw him face Volkov on short notice and Volkov just fucking just did what Volkov should have done, right? He made him look awful. Um, but against the Jorgen de Castros, the Mo Greens uh, yeah. of the world, this is, you know, Greg Hardy beats those guys. I would say from the Taboras on down, he does not win. Uh, now, that being said, you've got guys that are cutting weight to make 265 pounds, and they're going to punch each other in the face. Anything can happen, right? It's a small octagon. Anything can happen. But as far as what I see eyeball test-wise, I think this is the ceiling for Greg Hardy. I like Tabora, and I think a really interesting prop play here is Tabora by submission. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcin has very, very sneaky submissions, and if he can get Greg Hardy pressed up against the cage, I don't necessarily know that Greg Hardy knows how to defend like a standing head norm choke or something like that. I would not be surprised if I'm looking at really weird, wild, sprinkly dinkly um, prop plays or, you know, to throw a fiver on Tybura by submission might be a great one to try to add some, some parody to a fight that should realistically probably be two sloppy guys swinging on each other. Um, Tybura by submission. Well, yeah. And Greg Hardy, we saw in the Jorgen DeCastro fight, and this is the only thing I'm going to say about him. He was actually on a trajectory to put more tools in his, in his tool shed. Like he was starting to utilize kicks. I was like, wow, this guy's a fast learner. He's starting to utilize distance. He had good combinations, but then we saw in his last fight, very one dimensional looking for that overhand, right over and over again. And that could have been, that could have been correlate to right before his fight. He was having some mental warfare that he was very transparent about. He had some family issues going on and he carried the stress of what was going on in his life into the cage, which made him a one-trick pony. If he goes back and reverts to how he fought Jorgen Castro and mixed in the kicks and you know the combinations, he can make this entertaining. Marcin, though, is a guy that with that cardio we saw in the Ben Rothwell fight, he's going to move around. He's going to give Greg Hardy a lot of different looks that he has not seen. Greg Hardy, Mo Green did not give him any good looks. Jorgen Castro, no good looks. Everything was very ABC. He's going to get some variability in there, and I think that's going to freak him out. He's going to go to his one-trick pony, and Marcin is going to take advantage all day long. I love the submission play on that, and I hope it's done by murder. Yeah. So real quick, uh, Tybura by submission, just submission alone, any round, plus 700. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool, right? But then by submission in round one, plus 2,000, round two, plus 2,500. Round three plus twenty eight hundred. So one of those uh, ones, one of those ones, maybe, maybe, uh, a, maybe a quarter unit sprinkle on all on all three there. Maybe I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Fuego, fuego. Right. We'll see what we can do here. All right. Marlon Marais, the Magic Man himself, at twenty three seven and one, taking on Rob Font seventeen and four. Uh, worldwide rankings have these guys at the number four, and number eight bantamweight respectively. Not UFC rankings, but worldwide bantamweight rankings. Um, Rob Font, plus 120 underdog, taking on Marlon Marais, minus 150, former tighter title challenger, over on rounds, two and a half. Um, last time we saw Rob Font was getting that W, but he tore his ACL in the process. Last time we saw Marlon Marais, he was getting kicked to sleep by Corey Sandhagen just a few short months ago, making the quick turnaround here. Too much too soon, too fast for Magic Man, or does he still have enough, despite the recent traumatic brain injury, uh, to get Rob Font out of there? This is going to be tough for us to kind of dissect here. You have Calvin Cater on. You have the New England cartel. Mm. Are you able to put bias aside for a second? Yeah, I don't bend to that. I don't bend to that. There's a couple people that are my ride or dies, right? Um, Cub Swanson, like I said, and Shorty's 
short of him going into a fist fight with Jesus or one of the apostles, I'm taking Cub Swanson. Um, Mark Hunt, who fights later on tonight at 3 a.m., you better believe I'll be up watching that. Um, he's going to knock the shit out of Paul Gallon. Uh, that's my; those are my rider dies, man. Um, so I will never bet against them. But uh, as much as I love Calvin Cater, shout out Stay Classy Meat, shout out New England Cartel. It's a tough fight for Rob Font, especially coming after a year off and coming off from an ACL against a guy like Marlon Rice, who's fast and good everywhere and loves to kick legs. Yes. Um, this is a tough. This is a tough fight for Rob Font. My concern with this fight is that Marlon Marais is coming back really fast from getting knocked out. Um, that was my concern with the Tony Ferguson quick turnaround. Um, is he didn't look the same because he, he had taken such a beating. Now the beating that Tony Ferguson took was not the beating that Marlon Marais took. Right, that still fit fight still ended in a finish, but it was not the same level of beating. Still a quick turnaround for Marlon Marais. Still makes me nervous. Uh, but I still think that a banged up Marlon Marais at this point mm-hmm. should have enough in the gas tank to beat Rob Font. However, if Rob Font beats Marlon Marais, his career is on a completely different trajectory and a lot faster. So I think Mar- I think Rob Font's going to be around for a long time and a contender at that. I just don't necessarily know if now is his time, but I could be proven wrong and maybe I will be on Saturday night. This is a weird fight because Rob Fawn has everything to gain and Marlon has a lot to lose in this fight. Mm -hmm. Um, When you look at Marlon, when he fought Corey Sandhagen, I think a lot of the like disparity and a lot of um, things that we kind of brought up when we were dissecting that fight was how was Marlon going to do against Corey Sandhagen's length? How is he going to do with that crazy reach? When you look at Rob Fawn, he's five, eight, but he's got a 71 and a half, 72 inch reach. The dude's got freaking crazy long arms. For Marlon to get inside, utilize those leg kicks, and kind of be devastating in close quarters, that's going to be tough with someone that's going to keep you from distance. Rob Font also has great knockout power. He has that one-punch thing. Do I think I think he actually probably has that more than Corey Sandhagen does. Corey Sandhagen, people were worried about him, how he would do with Marlon Marais on the ground. People are going to look at Rob Font, like, what is he going to do standing? Marlon coming off a devastating knockout like that, how does that play? He's you know His chin started to go a little bit. Rob Font, extensive timeout, you know, ring rust, whatever. This is a really tough fight. I'm going to go with the experience, though. I think that after a shocking knockout that Marlon has taken, he's going to take it a much more technical approach to this fight. I'm going to go with Marlon. I think it's going to go to the decision. I think both are going to be very tentative, one from coming off a knockout and one from a long layoff. But I like the over two and a half. Um, I think this hmm. is going to a decision. Okay. Yeah, I, I can kind of see I can see that that over happening. Um, you know, both these guys are going to come out with ill intent, but I can see that happening. I can I can see the 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 over two and a half. That's interesting. Um, but as far as just the money line play, you're leaning Marlon Rice as well. Yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 I like it. Uh, I like it. I can left click. Which is actually a tough thing too, because we've always said Marlon does not have a good gas tank. For looking like he has freaking zero body fat, like literally, you could pull maybe a little bit of body fat from his chin. Dude doesn't have a very good gas tank. But well, I think that's why, though, is that the lactic acid builds up immediately um, because he has no body fat. Um, literally, I mean, he's probably one of those guys that's cold all the time because he has literally <laughs> nothing insulating his organs. Um, yeah. Which is, I mean, which is fine, you know. I mean, it, that's the. I mean, he looks like he's literally carved out of plastic or, or whatever. You know, he looks like a little action figure. Um, but that that and that, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, in a three round fight, though, I don't think gas tank is going to be a problem with Marlon Marais. In a five round fight, I think it's going to be a problem. The only time 
that guys like Marlon Marais uh, have a problem in a three-round fight is that guys like Marlon Marais and Edson Barboza, um, the, their movement is largely dependent on that lateral side to side where they have to get set up. It's a very like old school shoot the box style where they're always adjusting their gloves. And it's like a, it's just a very, they have to get set first. And then once they get set, everything fires off really fast. But if you can stay in their face and and not allow them to get set, then, you know, it, it becomes a lot easier to disrupt their rhythm. Um, I don't think there was a lot of people, at least not cappers that we know and, and colleagues that we have that were picking Sandhagen to lose that fight against Marlon Marais because how you beat Marlon, how you beat guys like uh, him and Edson Barboza and those, and those guys that bounce around a lot is you get, you just refuse to let them get set, get in their face. Um, and you know, that's what Rob Font needs to do. I would not be surprised to see Rob Font immediately jet across the octagon and try to get in Marlon Marais's face constantly pumping a jab, constantly trying to get him uh, off rhythm. That's how he's going to have to win this fight. He's going to have to jab, 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 push up against the cage, engage in clinch elbows, back up, jab, 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 get him up against the cage. And that's how he's going to have to win this fight. Um, And simultaneously do that and not get his legs kicked out from underneath him or get taken down by Marlon Rice and tapped out because Marlon is is a legit threat on the ground as well. All right. Dude, I wish I was no body fat and always cold. I look way better in winter clothes than I do summer clothes. For sure, 100%. For 100%. Thank you for Uh, noticing. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, Not sure why this fight is where it's at on the the card, but it's here. Um, And it must be because they're trying to push Michelle or they're trying to push Chaos. I'm not really sure. But Michelle Pereira at 24 and 11, taking on Chaos Williams at 11 and 1. This is a banger of a fight, man. While it lasts, I don't think it's going to last very long. Um, looking really, really just at the under here um, and hoping for chaos. Um, and I mean that in both the fighter name and what I expect to happen inside the cage. Minus 120 for Michelle, minus 110 for chaos. Probably be a pick come fight time. I wouldn't actually be surprised to see the money start coming in on chaos and have him jump to the favorite spot here at a certain point. Um I think Chaos Williams gets it done. I think he gets it done in under one and a half, too. Uh, probably looking to parlay uh, those two options together. Yeah, I think this is a guy that's in chaos who's got a lot of stank, dude, behind his punches versus a guy that's just a fucking jack of all trades. Do I think that Michelle Pereira has a lot more uh, at his disposal? Absolutely. I think that he's more technically sound when it comes to kickboxing. I think that he has an ability when he is disciplined to read fights and implement a game plan while chaos is a bite on your mouthpiece and fucking throw. And I think if he were to engage and you could see Michelle Pereira, you know, having that glimpse of, Oh, I want to entertain the fans over. I want to win this fight. If he were to go with the ladder, then he's going to run into trouble and chaos chaos is going to close this thing. Chaos is a force to be reckoned with in that welterweight division. And I think he's low key going to make a big name this coming weekend. Maybe. Um, my thing with that is that we have not seen enough from Chaos Williams to know right. whether or not what you're saying about how he fares against Pereira is going to hold true. Um, we don't know how well-rounded he is. We don't know what he's capable of. We don't know what minutes three, four, seven, twelve in a fight look like because we haven't. We've got what, um, like less than five minutes of total fight time to 
to, to look at. Um, I just don't know what else we see from him, or, or I don't know what else we, we should expect to see from him. It's not unlike what we saw with Johnny Walker, right? With Johnny Walker, it was one of those things where Johnny Walker comes in, he knocks everybody out really quickly, and everybody's touting him as the next big thing, but we have no idea what the next layer of the onion holds, right? You peel it back, we have no idea what it looks like. Um, you know, truth be told, he's he beat Alex Morono, who fights, you know, who we've already talked about, and he beat Abdul Razak Al Hassan uh, in 57 seconds of total fight time. We don't even have a minute's worth of footage inside of an octagon to see what he what he looks like. Now he's got plenty of fights in, in, in the different promotions that you could go back and watch the fights on, right? But I, I want I'm interested in UFC caliber competition. I'm interested in the, the bright lights, the TV cameras. That's what I want to know. How do you perform when the lights are the brightest? Chaos Williams went out there with a killer in Abdul Razak Al Hassan in front of him yeah. and fired off a piston of a left hand and separated him from consciousness in 30 seconds. That's what he did. That's what I'm going off of. Um, Michelle Pereira backflips, no gas tank, got beat by a five foot six, 148 pound Tristan Connolly. Um, <laughs> I feel like I feel mm-hmm. like Chaos Williams beats Michelle Pereira. Uh, Michelle was having a hard time with Diego Sanchez before he got disqualified. He got beat. Um, by uh, Tristan Connolly, um, you know, I don't know, man. I, I just I feel like Chaos Williams wins this fight. I'd really have to see something special at a prayer that we have not seen yet. If we see something special at a prayer we haven't seen yet, he'll beat Chaos Williams. But I really think Chaos wins this fight, and I think he gets it done in under one and a half, seven and a half minutes. A long time for both of these guys. Both of these guys, long time. Both of them have a potential for finishing. The historical would say you're absolutely correct. Right. So I'm going to be looking at the one and a half. They're probably part of uh, maybe part of a layup parlay. We'll see. All right. Jose Aldo at 28 and seven, uh, taking on Marlon Chito Vera at 18, six and one. This is probably where you'll see the most ascension amongst people come fight night um, is this in the main event. Um, UFC's done a great job with matchmaking this year. And this fight is not an exception to that. This is. Uh, exactly what we can expect in the year 2020 from the from the UFC. Jose Aldo, former featherweight king, taking on surging, uh, you know, bantamweight and Marlon Vera. Jose Aldo found that new home at bantamweight. He can make the cut. Hasn't missed weight yet. Uh, hasn't looked great, but he hasn't missed weight. Uh, minus 135, Cheeto Vera, plus 105 over under rounds is at two and a half here. This is where I think we have another old dog being laid out the pastor or whatever you want to call it. It's time. Did you just shoot the trigger with your middle finger? I was doing the old yeller thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, sh- I use my middle thing finger. This is your trigger finger. God damn it. Buddy. Man. Damn it. God, we go, we go, we get so far. God, we don't though. And then we take steps backwards. So far. <laughs> we get so far. And then you use your middle finger for a trigger finger. It was kind of like a fuck you shoot the gun, maybe. May, had you led with that, yeah, but that's not. It's too. It's too late it's now. Too we can't take it back. Okay. It, it, the The visual bullet has been fired. It cannot be brought back. Anyway, we're not going to dwell on it. Um, Cheeto Vera. I think Cheeto Vera beats. This is this is bad. This, I feel so weird saying this out loud. Marlon Cheeto Vera, in my opinion, is going to beat Jose Aldo on Saturday night. <laughs> I know, I know. 2016 me is furious right now. 
<laughs> You're acting very 2020 right now, dude. I don't appreciate I it. I know, right? Um, I think Cheeto gets it done, man. I think I don't think Aldo. I don't think 135 is a good home for Aldo. Um, he's coming off getting the shit kicked out of him by Piotr Jan. Yeah. Uh, that was a violent, gross fight where most people were extremely upset with the stoppage and the amount of damage that Jose Aldo took, and that was less than six months ago, and he is back for more against a highly dynamic, highly motivated killer, a finisher, uh, a, a Mexican shark. Or no, he's not even Mexican. What is he? Ecuadorian shark in Marlon Vera, Marlon Cheeto Vera. I don't like this fight for Jose at all, man. I, I don't like this fight for him. What do you got? Cheeto is a weird bantamweight too. Um, not to say he's unorthodox by any means, but just his stature. The guy, he looks like if Pac-Man had legs. He literally has these long legs. You call him the grasshopper. Yeah, he looks like a grasshopper. He looks like a human grasshopper. It's exactly yeah. what he looks like, yeah. And he utilizes that. His, his, his kicks, his strikes, everything he's able to do from distance. And obviously we didn't get anything, and I'm not going to put any weight – whatsoever in his last fight absolutely i i truly wholeheartedly believe that o'malley actually had an injury i don't think that his leg cook is what caused that injury i'm not an o'malley fan at all i'm just saying that i don't think there's much weight in his leg strike that caused that injury what i am going to put weight in is he's had seven fights he technically should be seven and oh but he's lost that ridiculous decision to song yadong um where he absolutely destroyed him i think over the course of three rounds um Cheeto Vera is a guy that utilizes his, his strengths and his, his reach, his length. He's able to keep you at distance. And I think one thing we've seen with Jose Aldo, as he's cut weight, he almost looks more timid and he wants to engage you more. And that's what um, P, uh, Piotr Jan was able to exploit, an aging 34-year-old Jose Aldo biting on the mouthpiece a little bit, leaning with his head forward, and just fucking clocking him. I think that Cheeto's got great striking. It's on point. It's accurate. It's quick. It's precision. This is going to be one that I don't think he's going to put him out by any means, but I do think it's going to shock Aldo and the fact that he's going to get clipped every single time he tries to engage. I think people are holding on to their yesteryear idea that Jose Aldo is going to come in and he's going to utilize leg kicks and he's going to be fast and he's going to be explosive. He's not that. Um, Cheeto Vera's got 15 fights in the UFC. He's fought everybody from John Lineker yeah. uh, to, to, like you said, you know, Song Yudong. He's faced every single type of person, whether it be one-punch knockout artists to wrestle heavy grapplers. He has faced them all and has done so primarily in, with flying colors. I mean, he's 10-5 and five inside the octagon. I, I really love him in this fight. I think this is a coming-out party for him. I'd be shocked. Uh, I'm, I'm it seems so weird. Again, it seems genuinely weird to say this, but I'd be shocked if Jose Aldo wins on Saturday night. And even if he does, I have no idea what that does for his career other than prolong it that much longer so he can face another killer and get hurt some more. Yeah. Um, so it, honestly, the best thing that we have to him is if, if Cheeto puts him out of his misery. Um, I know we keep using the analogy there, the analogy of putting a dog down, but it really feels like that. You're just delaying the inevitable here, um, you know, Jose Aldo's got, I mean, at some point, man, at some point we got to, we got to figure out what we're going to do with this guy. I always thought the inevitable move for him was to go to 155, but instead he went down to 135 yeah. and I, dude, Freaking no, f- no fluid around the brain and just taking ass beatings by dudes that are getting faster. When you get old, the first thing to go is the speed, not the power, but the speed. And he's going to where the guys are faster. 
And I just, I, I don't understand. I just don't get it, you know? And, and here's the thing, right? Is it's like, oh, well, it's old ass Jose Aldo, but Jose Aldo's only 34. I know. Like, I'm older than Jose Aldo. And I'm talking about him like he, like he, like he needs to retire and be sitting in a rocking chair in Curitiba somewhere. And instead, the dude's younger than me. But I just feel like that's where we're at. That's, that's where he's at in his career, man. Far be it for me to tell somebody what they should do with their life, but dude, I, I don't. I just don't know where you go from here. Win, lose, or draw, I don't know where you go. What, what a brutal way to end the 20, 2020 cards. When you go from like Shogun Hua, JDS, Jose Aldo, um, who's the other guy that just lost? You're getting all these legends that are literally log jammed at the end here that are on the chopping block without being on the chopping chopping block. Jose Aldo's not on the chopping block. He's done too much for the UFC that he'll get like a Shogun Hua extension for almost lifetime. He's kind of like the, the ultimate fighter. One guys like Diego Sanchez's do those days are never really going to truly be cut. Even though I have a premonition, call me Nostradamus. Diego Sanchez is getting fucking cut this year. He could, I mean, but they just let Anderson Silva go. So I don't think anybody's safe at this point. Um, okay. But I said on Saturday night, I don't think there's a more brutal sport to find out that you're not good enough anymore. Right. There's, there's elite, and you have, like Dana White has said, you have a small window of opportunity to turn yourself into a superstar. Um, and when you don't have it anymore, you don't have it anymore. And, you know, there's a reason why you saw 10,000 upset, crying Tony Ferguson fan memes because he looked mortal, right? It looked like his time had come to an end. JDS, same thing, man. Um, and I think we're, we, I'm, it sounds melancholy, but I think we'll see the same thing. Um I think we'll see the same thing on Saturday night with Jose Aldo. All right, main event of the night. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson taking on Jeff Neal. There's some other bootleg-ass people out there doing MMA picks, and they like to say his name is Geoff because they have no idea how to say a regular name. Geoff, dude. Geoff, yeah. But anyway, um, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson at 15-4 and four, taking on Jeff Neal. Even though he's not Wonderboy anymore, he's a grown-ass man, almost 40 years old. Wonderboy Thompson minus one ten. Jeff Neal minus one twenty is now a betting favorite over under on rounds is at four and a half. I'm going to keep this short and sweet. Um, I like Jeff Neal a lot, and I think that he could potentially be a welterweight contender one day. He's got to be a little bit more active than he is, but he almost died uh, less than a year ago. Had some sort of what was that like heart palpitation, kidney thing? He had something wrong with him. He's hmm. in critical condition there for a while. Uh, and now he's bouncing back, and they gave him freaking Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, who I don't believe there is a harder fighter to prepare for. And I think that even on a bad day, Stephen Thompson has enough in the gas tank and enough tricks up his sleeves to beat this version of Jeff Neal. Maybe not a year from now, maybe not two years from now, but right now, 2020, Stephen Thompson beats Jeff Neal. There is not one fighter that can look at tape dissect and understand what Steven Thompson can bring to the table. He is so unorthodox, but it's not unorthodox. It's just his karate style, his constant switching of stances. You can't prepare for a guy like that. And even the smartest guys, the smartest guys, like I'm going to call Tyron Woodley a smart fighter. Mm. When he jumps in, let's go back. I'm going to take you, I'm going to take you back a little bit. Let's go back to yeah. UFC 205. One of the most badass cards. MSG, you got McGregor versus Alvarez. You've got Thompson versus Woodley. You got Joanna versus uh, Carolina. That car would stack to the gills, right? And I remember them. They were they were listening to Jay Z. They're walking into MSG. They're all stoked. And then you're like, okay, fuck yeah, Woodley Thompson, let's go. What happened in that fight, Dale? 
Uh, it was boring. It was really it was boring. The, probably the most boring fight I've ever seen in my entire life because Woodley knew, hey, I'm not going to engage with this because who knows if he's going to switch stance, what that karate style is going to do. I'm, I'm tentative. I don't want to do anything. I think that Jeff Neal coming off a long layoff, he's not going to – it's one thing to come off after a long layoff. It's another to come off a long layoff against someone that you have no idea how to prepare for. I think this fight's going to be extremely boring, as Stephen Thompson fights majority are, unless he's on the losing side like an Anthony Pettis knockout. Mm. I think that Stephen Thompson is going to make this weird, make this ugly, create the distance. It's going to be a very lackluster fight, hence why the over-unders at four and fucking a half. People know this thing's going to decision. Um, Jeff Neal's got knockout power. We saw that um, with Mike Perry. He's got the hands, but Stephen Thompson, outside of the explosion strikers um, like Anthony Pettis, I don't think Jeff Neal's an explosion-type striker. I think that he has a minute to get in, and he's able to clinch and get it done, but he's not that boom right in your face. This is going to be a boring fight, but I am going to take Stephen Thompson because I think that technically he should get this thing done. Hmm. Interesting take on feeling really heavy towards the decision. I'm actually feeling the other way. I'm feeling like it's really heavy. I think I feel like four and a half is super generous. Um, that's nearly a half hour of fight time with elite level strikers trying to punch each other in the face. Um, we have no idea what Jeff Neal looks like in championship rounds. We have no idea what the gas tank looks like over three hard fought rounds where you can't get your rhythm down because you got a Stephen Thompson bouncing in and out. We also know that Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, um, I'm not going to say he has a suspect chin, but we know that he doesn't like being hit. Um, he was winning the Anthony Pettis fight until that punch, and then he got knocked out. Um, in both Tyron Woodley fights, Tyron Woodley landed like less than 15 punches, and two of the 15 in the first fight knocked Wonderboy down. Um, and then he got knocked down in the second Woodley fight. So he has a hard time if you can hit him flush, which is where his karate stance really comes into to play as an asset for him. Um, I think that if Jeff Neal could put hands on him, he could probably get him out of there. But if he can't get his rhythm and he can't figure out the distance and he can't figure out the timing, you get a Steven Wonderboy Thompson versus Vincente Luque style fight. Because if you ask me, Jeff Neal is it, realistically, stylistically, um, not that much different than a Vincente Luque. And we already saw how that fight went because Wonder Boy, you know, looked great against Luque. So I th I honestly think at minus 140, I think 20, what, 22 minutes and 30 seconds? It's a hell of a long time for guys like that to fight each other. Um, I, I honestly, I kind of like playing the under four and a half and just want and just hoping for an exciting fight. Then I don't care who wins or loses. I just kind of like going, all right, let's go under four and a half and just, I don't give a shit who wins. Let's just get a win. That's, I mean, that's, that's kind of how I'm feeling. I mean, it, picking winners and losers, right? Everybody wants us to know who do you think is going to win the fight, right? Okay. I think Stephen Wonderboy Thompson should win this fight. But if you ask me, I'm going to bet, right? You listen to the show, number one MMA betting podcast on earth per us. Um, yes. I'm, I'm playing under four and a half. That's what I want to play. I'm not going to argue with there. I, I'll probably end up siding me there. I mean, I think this has the reason and Vegas knows that this, this has the very clear path to go the distance, but smaller cage, more, just, uh, more stoppages. Steven Thompson with that fucking lanky tall body, uh, Jeff Neal getting in close. I could see under four and a half, but 
Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it, dude. There we go. Someone yeah. said, who's shotgunning St. Archer in this? And <laughs> I'm just all jacked up, dude. Yeah, drinking that kombucha. Ugh. Well, speaking of which, real quick, for those that were on our Instagram, and I implore everyone that is listening to this podcast as we break before we go into prelims, please follow us on Punchlist MMA um, on our Instagram. Dale, after Cub Swanson won, deleted a beer in the fucking quickest fashion. Dude, you made me really nervous because what? you're like, it's time to delete some beers. And I'm like, oh, Dale, dude, please make us look good. Don't be – well, I don't know. I don't know what your, your college drinking background is. I don't know, dude. I don't know. So here, so one, um, that's that was the worst chug I think I've ever done. Two, I don't have a college drinking background. I have a military drinking background, which uh, puts college drinking to shame. And three, um, I was already operating with a full belly because I had been deleting <laughs> beers way prior to that. Um, so I was doing that weird thing where like my mouth was filling up with water to begin with and I yeah. couldn't necessarily relax. And then I wasn't sure where I was at on the camera and everything else. It was just not my best effort. Um, you'll see a more spirited effort out of me on Saturday night, uh, depending on how things are going. So, uh, but yes, you do never, you never have to worry about whether or not I'm going to make you look good when it comes to erasing a beer. Um, we've got that under control. No, it was like you said when Cub won, it made you feel a certain way. When you chug that beer, it made me feel a certain way, man. Ma- made you feel a certain way. Yeah. We do need to talk about we need to work on your shotgun skills though. Bro, uh, real quick, don't 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 ever come at my shotgun skills. For you, I feel myself shotgunning as well. Venmo you twenty dollars for for your win in Cub Swanson, but I was shotgunning fucking double IPAs. I take nothing away from that. As far as the, the quality of the beer is concerned, you were absolutely shotgunning strong, you know, beer. My concern necessarily wasn't necessarily with the beer; it was with the technique, right? Um, you did the pop, you did the crack, but you tilted the wrong way. So your initial tilt, you had a good slosh on the hand. So it was about it was like the whole beer minus a good swig. You know what I mean? Because if you look at it, you had like a, you know, normally it's a it's you know it's a down and then as you finish right but instead you went down and then and it was the, it, you, you spilt initially so what is this this isn't dos boot bro it's a it's a can okay whatever man i'm just saying you know don't waste good beer that's all i'm saying you, 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 i don't drink beer i don't drink i don't trying to fight right now dude you trying to fight i i don't drink ten dollar i don't drink ten dollar double ipas man i just don't do it i drink i drink beer of the people i drink yingling what what is this? What is this, dude? What are you doing? What are you doing right now? This suddenly got this got aggressive, and I don't know where that came from. That was that's my fault. Let's bring it back in. I'm, All right. I'm sorry. You did a great job shotgunning beers. You're my little champion. I love you. Good job, buddy. Good I'll job. Give me my sticker and shut the fuck up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. Let's let's power through these prelims. We're running long on time here. Rick Glenn, uh, 21 and six, taking on Carlton minus at 10 and two. Rick Glenn, biggest favorite on the card, if I'm not mistaken here. I believe my man's sitting somewhere around minus 330, taking on Carlton minus plus 225 over on around here is at two and a half. We have not seen Rick Glenn in about two plus years. It's been a grip since we've seen Rick Glenn, one of the strongest mustaches in the game. I do believe he gets it done on Saturday night. It's not going to be pretty. It will be gritty. He gets Carlton minus out of there. Um, you can go ahead and, and, and subtract one out of the win column for Carlton minus. Uh, it will be a Rick Glenn win on Saturday night. That Rick Glenn minus 330 is 
pretty much based on his wins over Gavin Tucker and Dennis Bermudez. Mm-hmm. Um, the one hesitancy I have, Rick Glenn 100% should get this thing done. Carlton minus is dropping down from 170. Rick Glenn's coming up from 145. Um, makes me a little bit nervous, the heavier guy in a small cage, but Rick Glenn has the grappling power. He has the strike and he got this thing done. He's definitely a parlay piece for sure. Is Rick Glenn an alpha male guy? No. He's not? No. Where's he fight out of? I don't know. Not alpha male, though. Okay. You sure? Is he alpha male? No, he's not alpha male. Okay. I know alpha male Okay, cool. All right. I'm seeing him on Pura Vita BJJ. All right, cool. Outstanding. Um, next fight on the prelim card. Jimmy Flick, Cody Durden. Uh, we just moved it a couple weeks. The, the pick remains the same. Jimmy Flick, right? Yep. Flick's the pick. We just same fight, same odds. Oh, I, whoa, absolutely not. Same odds. Jimmy Flick's a minus 250 now. Is that right? Uh, hold on, let me look. Let me double check. Producer Jake, come down from the heavens. Is that right? Producer Jake, come down from the heavens. No. Well, here, I mean, for those that didn't listen to the episode like a couple of weeks ago, Flick is a total submission ace, dude. Minus Minus 150. We got the, we got a, we got a, we have a two where the one should do. Oh, so okay. Minus 150 for, for Flick. For those that know, Flick is a submission ace. Durden is the absolute wrestler. Durden's takedown defense has been pretty stellar. But if this thing lands on, on the ground where it should, Flick should get the submission. I'm actually looking at Flick by submission, make that a little bit more juicy. Oh, okay. Okay. Let's see. I'll, I'll tell you what it's going to be. You hear my mouse click in the background. Jimmy said, Jimmy used to be a bantamweight, dude. This guy's not only is he a great submission artist, but dude, that guy's he's he's fucking thick. Jimmy Flick plus 125 as far as submission goes. So that tells you what Vegas thinks is gonna happen in the fight. They think that Flick by submission because that's the best odds. Um he's plus three hundred to win by by decision. Mm. Um so there you go. Vegas has it figured out. That's what they think. They they think Jimmy Flick, they think by sub. So I like where your head's at. Um, it's even cooler that you knew that without us having to look, which I'm, um, man, you're all over it, bro. I like where your, I like where your head's at. All okay. right, <laughs> all right. I want you to lead in this next fight because these are names that I know that you love. Um, so if you wouldn't mind, lead us into this next one, buddy. What do we got here? Okay, we got a uh, Tafon Chigui versus Jimmy. <laughs> God, dude, I got Jimmy wrong. Jamie Pickett. Tafon Nichui at minus 305 versus Jamie Pickett at plus 245. Over-unders as at one and a half. All right. Jeez, dude. Yeah. Um, I think it's – I think it's, it's – is it Nchukwe? Nchukwe. That sounds right. We're going to take him at minus 305. Not going to overthink it. We're going to take it at – we're going to take it at uh, – he, he's a killer. He's coming to swing heavy. We're going to take it at one and a half. His head looks way too small for his body. His traps are massive. He's kind of got a, a disproportion in where his muscle tone is, mm-hmm. but he's got fancy head kicks. He's got good striking. He's got decent footwork, but he actually used to fight fight, uh, fight at 205. Coming down to fight at middleweight, he's very slow for an actual middleweight. So the only hesitancy I have there is Pickett's actually going to be a little bit faster. He likes to work from distance, but I do think that Tafon is going to be – the heavier-handed person, and then again, and redundant, the, in this smaller cage, the heavy-handed person is usually going to be the victor. So this is at 185. All right, cool. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll take that. I mean, minus three, it's, it's pretty chalk. Um, you know, it's it's either parlay piece or pass as far as I'm concerned. All right, Draco Rodriguez at seven and one, taking on Amin Zahabi at seven and two. Boy, this is a banger of a fight, man. Uh, potential for fight of the night right here. I know. Like, what? How? What? I'm, uh, I'm telling. Listen. Someone's jaded by the last name. I don't give a hoot about the last name. I don't. I don't give it. Listen, I don't give a shit about last name. You know this. This means nothing to me. Um, the only last name I care about is mine. Uh, and well, you have a great last name too. So if there was a Van Buskirk or a Lippin fight, I'd be all over it. But here's the thing, right? <laughs> is that for the last four events, I've been calling potential fights of the night, and I have yet to be wrong. Uh, if if they didn't win, they were at least contenders. Nobody was saying that I was. Oh, you're so stupid! How did you know? I'm telling you, Draco Rodriguez versus Mines a hobby could possibly be fight of the night here. These guys are going to come out. They are high output, high octane. The scrambles will be crazy. Everybody's swinging with bad intentions. This could be potential fight of the night. I still like Rodriguez here minus two hundred. Probably putting him in a parlay or pass over under on rounds is at two and a half. Looking at the under two and a half based on the pace that these two gentlemen are going to try to put on each other. Yeah. And I think they're both going to put the pace standing. Um, Zahabi's got a chin on him. Um, the, where he lacks is obviously in the wrestling department, but I really don't think Draco is going to come in with that wrestling pedigree to utilize that or get this to the ground. It's going to be two guys that are going to be striking. Um, if they want to uh, put a little bit of wrestling together, uh, we saw Draco kind of utilize it a little bit in his uh, Tony Gravely fight. And Tony Gravely, that guy's a freaking grinder. Um, so he was able to at least keep it up, negate any takedowns. Uh, it's going to be standing for us, yeah, legend, legendary brother of a trainer. Um, let's see how his striking fares. But I'm going <laughs> to – I'm actually shocked that Zahabi is actually the underdog on this fight. Um I would think that Draco would be, but I'm going to go with the chalk on this. So Zahabi's lost his last two fights. Um, you know, lost a decision to Vince Morales and got, he was on the recipient. He was the recipient of that highlight reel, Hikardo Hamos uh, yeah. back or, you know, spinning back elbow that ever, they love to show uh, whenever Ramos fights that the guy on the other end of that, on the bad side of that uh, was Zahabi. So he's obviously coming out of a better camp. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, coming out of TriStar, but I think I, I think Draco's going to get it done here. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, Deron Wynn at six and two, taking on on Antonio Ohio at nine and three. Man, I, I don't know what to take in this fight. You know, Cannonball one at minus one fifty five. Deron Wynn plus one twenty five. I was all on Win when he first came in the UFC. Looked great in the high output fight against Eric Spicely and has failed to meet expectations since then. I don't necessarily know that I can bet on him again until I see him win. Um, Antonio Ahoyo, if you look at the fights that he's had drop out, the UFC obviously thinks pretty highly of him mm-hmm. because he continually, continuously gets good booking after good booking. The problem is that the guy just can't get a fight that actually makes it to the Saturday night uh, where he can get paid. Duran Wynn, for all intents and purposes, knock wood, seems like he's going to make it on Saturday night. And if he does so, um, he's going to have a stiff test in front of him in, in Antonio Hoyo. Minus 155, I think this is another one of those fights where unit management is key because I could see making a decent-sized play on Hoyo here. Um, and it's the it's it has the potential to be a make-or-break fight on the night. Yeah, the two-fight losing skid that he's on, Gerald Mershark at you know, rear naked choke in the second, Darren Stewart via split decision. 
Antonio Hoya, to your point with the canceled fights, that is a pedigree to which the UFC thinks that he's he's in the same league with the Eric Anders, the Trevin Giles, the Alessio de Chiricos, and the Kevin Hollins. Antonio Hoya is going to come in with the better cardio. He's going to come in with the better striking. The only thing you got to watch out with Deron Wynn is going to be his wrestling, but it's at catch weight. The dude's already a fat dude. He's going to exert himself. He's going to gas out. So I think someone with better cardio, better footwork, and better striking, what else do you need? Yeah, I, again, I, like I said, this has this is one of the ones where um, you have to you have to manage units wisely. You know, Deron Wynn, every uh, generous five six. <laughs> with stilettos on G- a generous five six yeah um i mean 100 percent. my wife is taller than he is um and he weighs he, you know the fight's gonna be 195 pounds mm-hmm. um it's just it that's pretty wild man that's that's a, that's, that's a wild dimensions um but you know wrestling background is it, it, hard to argue with he's got a real fight on his hands though against a hoyo minus 155 i like i like a hoyo there but just Manage units wisely. All right. A fight that was scheduled for what last week, but got bumped a week. If I'm not mistaken, yeah. Carl Roberson versus Dolce Lagiambula. Uh, Lagiambula at 10 and 2. Roberson at 9 and 3. This one's taking place at 185 pounds. Trey Lagiambula at plus 195. Roberson at minus 250. Over on rounds is at one and a half. Um, Baby K uh, has been really an up and down roller coaster of a fighter, man. Not really sure how I like him. I don't know if I like him or if I don't like him at all. From a betting standpoint, has the ability to make or lose you a decent amount of money. This is a guy that I think you'll see on a lot of parlays on Saturday night. But for my money, this fight is a pass. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. okay. You, you want me to just move to the next one? No, I just oh, okay. it is absolutely. I mean, what have we seen from Carl Carl Roberson? We saw him back in the COVID era in June fight Marvin Vittori, but that was what forty seconds in the first round. He gets a rear naked choke and just freaking suffocates. Dolce, he's a wild striker. Um, he has apex experience, um, or no, he doesn't. The last time I think he he fought no, sorry, the last time he fought was back in twenty nineteen versus uh, Ankalev, right? And he got. He got like murder, murdered yeah. in the face. He got front kicked in the face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that was like at the end of the that was at the end of the fight, and I don't know. Coming off what we saw, Ankalov, the type of striker he is versus Ian Kutalaba, I think that Dolce is a force to be reckoned standing. And when you go with someone Roberson, who's a wild striker, I do think this is going to be a fireworks of a fight. Hence, one and a half over and under. Um, I think Roberson's going to be the more technical fighter, though. So I am, for the sake of picking for the show, I'm going to go Roberson. I like it. I like it. You know what I realized? Where can people get these lines at? Where can they get these lines at? Oh. <laughs> bet online. Yeah. So you go to bet online. Use promo code <laughs> armchair. You can take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Um, Producer Jake, we're gonna have to go back and put an ad read in the middle of the uh, of the intro there, man. Um, that's gonna be something we're gonna have to do or figure out a way to do it. Uh, hey, yeah, I wanted to ask you something. Yeah, sorry, this is super off topic. Mm-hmm. How come, if you look ten years ago, let's go back ten years ago in the UFC, okay, Matt Hughes stuff like that, dudes had hairy chests. Why yeah. is everyone? Why is there not one bit of hair on any dude's chest nowadays? It's just it- What's the deal? That'll change with Rick Glenn on Saturday night. He'll come oh. out. He'll come out. That's a man's man. Uh, he will. He will come out fuzzy. 
he'll be very fuzzy. That's not like a that's not like a submission thing. Like I know in jiu-jitsu, like no one gives a shit about that. I mean, granted, we're all wearing rash guards, but like, what's why is there no hairy dudes in the UFC anymore? I don't. I think it's just a. I think it's just a a preference thing now, right? I mean, body hair as a whole, both male and female, has tend to have gone out of style. And you know, on honestly, a lot of it has to do with technology. It's never been easier to be silky smooth. Um, yeah, it's just it's never been easier. Before you had to take a straight razor. Nobody wants to take straight razor to the bits. So you know, yeah, you gotta you gotta switch it up. So rather than taking a straight eraser, is there some technology out there that we can share with our listeners to help not snag those ball sacks, make them look like a UFC fighter, show those six-pack abs off? Yeah, yeah. What you're going to want to do is you want to go to manscaped.com and you're going to use promo code armchair. You take 20% off your entire order and use free shipping. Uh, and you are absolutely right, uh, Delize is Harry AF. You are completely right. Iron. Uh, that's yeah. uh, and my man Sean in the chat, you know that the Manscaped ad is incoming. Absolutely, <laughs> sir. Congrats to you. Uh, all right. Let's <laughs> last fight of the night, Trey, as far as we're concerned. Um, but the the featured prelim, Panny Kinzad taking on Sajara Sarge Eubanks at six and five. Salty ass record on Sarge taking on Panny. Uh, at 13 and five boy oh boy sarge minus 165 panty at a plus 135 over and on rounds is at two and a half uh you're bigger on the women's mma than i am but you know i love me some sajara eubanks um and i think at minus 165 i think that's a great price for her against a great opponent that's going to be there for the snatch the grab the takedown the ground and pound and ultimately the tap out if she chooses to not strike, like I say with every women's BJJ expert, mm-hmm. um, when Sajara fought Caitlin Vieira, we actually took uh, Caitlin Vieira because we knew from a striking perspective she would dominate. I think Panny, that's where she has to stay. She has to stay on her feet. She does have really bad sub losses. You look at Panny, she's uh, lost by submission to Macy Shazan. I can never freaking say her last name. Shazan. Shazan. Like Shazan. Chaison. Croissant. No, you got to leave the T off. Chaison. Chaison. Macy Chaison. Yeah. No, she's not <laughs> Chinese. It's French. Uh, well, the one thing about Panny, she did out-wrestle bigger girls. And Sajara, we know she comes in a little bit heavier. She, you know, she was able to out-grapple Jessica Rose Clark. She was able to um, out-grapple uh, Beth Correa, the, one of the thickest chicks in MMA. Um, but when it does get to the ground, that's where Sajara thrives. That's where she's able to get those subs. Don't stand on the feet because I don't like Sajara striking, but mm. I like Sajara on this fight. Get it Perfect. to the ground. Perfect. Get it to the ground. All right. Let's recap real quick, and then we'll talk about what we got coming up next week. Um, no fights next week, but we do have a show that you don't want to miss, so we'll get into that real quick. All right, Rick Glenn, Carlton Minus. I'm taking Rick Glenn. Rick Glenn, sorry. I had a kombucha, hard kombucha in my mouth. <laughs> all right jimmy flick take it on cody durden i like jimmy flick jimmy flick all right tafan and joku take it on jamie pickett i like Nchokwi. Nchokwi. there we go draco rodriguez amon zahabi i like rodriguez in a potential fight of the night Ooh, i don't know about potential fight of the night but i am taking draco rodriguez all right deron win antonio ahoyo i'm taking ahoyo ahoyo 
All right, Carl Roberson, Dolce Longiambula. I'm passing on this fight. Fight scares me, but for the sake, we're both taking Roberson. Oof. All right. Panny Kinzad, Sajara Eubanks. I like Sarge. Sarge in charge. Anthony Pettis, Alex Morono. I'm going with the great white Alex Morono. I'm going to take Pettis. All right. Marcin Tabura taking on Greg Hardy. I like Tabura. Tabura by murder. Marlon Marais, Rob Font. Very dangerous fight for Marlon Marais, mm. but I think he's got it done. I think he's going to get it done, Marlon Marais. I want to stay away from this, but I'm going to take Marais. All right. Michelle Pereira, Chaos Williams. I like Chaos, and I like under one and a half. I like that as well. All right. Jose Aldo versus Marlon Chito Vera. I like Marlon Vera. Yep. Chito's going to get it done. Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Jeff Neal. If you're asking me who I think is going to win the fight, I think it's Stephen Thompson, but my bet on Saturday night will be the under four and a half rounds. Wonder boy. All right. Sounds good. All right, man. Here we are. We are at the end of the final betting breakdown for the year. Next week, guys, uh, we are going to do an award ceremony. Um, this upcoming week, after we do our regular fight day, fight week content on Instagram, we're going to be putting up some pretty sizable polls on Instagram that we hope that you guys participate in. Yeah. Um, and at the end of which, we will take the results and we will do an award ceremony to kind of end the year, if you will. That's what we're going to do. Uh, we'll recap everything that we accomplished this year. Uh, we'll go over records. We'll go over bit, best bets. Biggest losses. We'll try to hand out some stuff, and we're going to give away. Oh boy, we're going to give away some stuff too. Um, yeah. So we've got giveaways next week. Um, we've got awards that we're going to give out, um, and yeah, we're going to recap the whole year. It's been a blast. Year one, punchless MMA in the books. Here's the sixty-seven percent. Here's the seventy percent in twenty twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I'm ready, man. This is this is it. Let's clean the house. Let's let's just murder this card next week. I'll dress up as Santa. You can be my elf. We'll uh... completely okay with that. Oh, really, dude? I'm not opposed to role play at all. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, now I feel dirty and awkward. Well, here's the thing: is I've been on your ship all 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 episode for some reason. I don't even know how we got there. We just started rolling down the hill and then I was just all over you. So, um, you know, this is, this has been honestly no joke, uh, not to get sentimental and sappy. This has been the, this has probably been the most fun year of podcasting I think I've ever done. This has been an absolute treat. Um, I love this new movement into the live stream. This, this is, this is awesome. So if you guys don't follow us on social media, please do go to punchless MMA anywhere. You can find us Twitter, Instagram, shoot us an email at chat punchless MMA, whatever you want to do. Fight nights on Saturday nights are absolute chaos. As far as Instagram is concerned. Um, I got to keep the phone charged up until the the first punch is thrown because it is off the chain. So uh, next in 2021, we've got some big things coming up. There will be more fan interaction. And I say fan as if we're fucking somebody, but we're not. But you know, people interaction, interaction between us and you guys, um, you know, content creator versus content consumer, however you want to put it. Um, but there's going to be a lot more stuff coming down the pipeline like that, uh, where we're going to be a lot more engaged with you guys on Saturday night throughout the week, everything like that. Um, there's there's a lot in the works here. Um, I know we've said that, and, you know, hopefully at this point, a year in, we have not disappointed. When we say big stuff's coming, big stuff tends to show up. Um, so that's where we're at at this point. 
Uh, big things are coming in the upcoming year. Um, and yes, more Jameson in 2021. Uh, there will be more Jameson next week. Next week there will be Jameson. There'll be more Jameson this weekend as well. Um, so yeah, we are we are looking to to do some big things in 2021. We got some stuff on the docket. Follow us at Punchlist MMA wherever you can possibly find us. If you haven't done so, now is the time. Right, this is your last chance. If you want to win beer money in 2020, yeah. you want to win beer money for New Year's. This is it, Trey. How can people win beer money if they want to win beer money? All you got to do is go to Apple, give us a five-star review or any review, write it out. It'll populate. We'll take your username and we'll shout it out on the next show. What we call the wheel of, what, what do we call it? The wheel of pirate. I mean, it's, a, I don't, it's not doom because it brings, it's the wheel of beer, wheel of good fortune. Yeah. We, I don't think we've really named it. We've got to come up with something cheeky. Okay. Well, your username will be placed into the Wheel of Fortune. Um, you'll have an opportunity to win beer money. And obviously, based on how we drink beer, or at least I drink beer, I drink the craft lagers. So don't worry. We're going to provide you enough money in your account to cover those craft beers. So go to Apple, give us a five-star review. And if you cannot give us a five-star review, if you listen, listen on Spotify or you listen on some crazy other shit, just send us a DM and say, hey, you know, I wanted to write you guys a review, but I couldn't do it. We'll, we'll put you in. Yeah, we're giving away beer money next week, guys, and we're giving away a lot of it. Um, so you're going to want to be here next week. Um, if you haven't tuned into a live show before, that's the time to do it. Uh, Tuesday nights, 9 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Um, that's the time to do it. All right, Trey, let's sign off on this thing. Appreciate everybody that tagged along the live stream tonight. Love you guys. Appreciate everybody. We'll see everybody this week uh, on Instagram and Fight Night on Saturday night, and we'll see everybody back here next week. Uh, until then... Be good to each other. See you later. Let's go.